You're listening to WHTT Speaks Out. Each week, Chuck Carlson and members of We Hold These Truths look into events that are, for the most part, ignored or overlooked by the mainstream media. And we analyze these events to get free and periodic updates to this program and our other interesting programs. Be sure to enter your email address in the subscribe to WHTT box on the right side of our website, WHTT.org. And now, ready, set, let the sparks fly. In today's WHTT Speaks Out, we're very fortunate to have an activist joining us. Eileen Fleming is uh, quite a diverse person. Uh, We've just found out about Eileen and some of her work, and she's really quite amazing. I just finished her book entitled A USS Liberty Remembrance, 50 Years of USA Government Cover-Up of Israel's June 8, 1967 attack on USA spy ship. And it's quite a remarkable story. And she's actually weaved in a connection. It wasn't called Christian Zionism, but the rise actually came out of this incident. So she'll talk a little bit about this tonight. But she's author of eight books, working on another one. And she writes for the Arab Daily News. She has started the group WeAreWideAwake.org, and you can also uh, reach your material at EileenFleming.org. So welcome, Eileen, to our podcast, and we'd like to maybe hear about your journey. How did you become an activist, and so forcefully, really, through your writing? Um, Well, first of all, thank you for inviting me, and and thank you to all the listeners for listening, and uh, it's a God story. Uh, Totally, since childhood, I always felt that there was something I was to do in this world, and of course, growing up in a Catholic home, I thought it was this and that and the other, and it never was. Um, And a few years prior to the September 11, 2001 attacks, I was, um, you know, like late 40s, and things in my life had opened up where I could really embark totally on the spiritual journey. Being my husband's a doctor, and I'm a retired nurse, I don't have the, uh, the, the usual worry, mortgage, car payments, those things are taking care of me. I, I don't have any of those concerns, so I can totally have the freedom to devote myself to, to God. And I was led to a program through, I was attending an Episcopal church at the time, and it was in Orlando, and they had a formation program for spiritual directors. Uh, It was a combination, the Episcopal and the Methodist diocese had joined together. And I knew I would not be a spiritual director, but I knew I needed spiritual direction, and I wanted the curriculum. It was learning about the saints and all kinds of different, you know, kinds of prayer, the Benedictine centering prayer, which I'd already been doing, the prayer of silence. And because we had to do a lot of reading, reflecting, writing, it uncorked my childhood desire, which was to be a writer. I wanted to be a reporter. I wanted to be Brenda Starr, if you can remember back. Um, she was a comic book character, an investigative journalist and all over the world, and always was getting into troubles, and, uh, but always getting the scoop. But anyway, that was my childhood dream. And September 11, 2001 happened, and the day it happened, two or three different dreams I had had previous to that day, but, you know, with 
within the previous couple of months came all back to me making a lot more sense than they had when I'd had the dream. And I tell these dreams, fictionalize them in my first book, Keep Hope Alive. So I connected because of September 11th, I was looking for a positive response because my Jesus is the Prince of Peace, not a warmonger. And I wanted to connect with people looking to, to do something for peace, reconciliation, and Dr. Khalad Diab, Palestinian Muslim from 1948, refugee, who made his way to the USA and at this time was living in Orlando. Very interesting career in the defense industry. And September 11th, he decides he's going to finally act on his dream, which is to do something for Palestine, his hometown, and the entire Holy Land there, which was to help replace some of the trees, over a million trees, that Israel's wall has destroyed. And so in June of 2005, we went, the group of us, uh, 10 or 12 of us, I was the Christian voice, and Dr. Diab, of course, was the Muslim, and then there was a Jewish co-founder, um, and then the rest were pretty much kind of just supporters, and being over there, so many things happened, so many connections. One was meeting um, Israel's nuclear whistleblower, Mordecai Benunu, who's still not free to leave Israel, Jerusalem, um, and, and starting to get his story. And coming back to America from that trip, I was totally on fire. I could not believe all the things my government was doing and my media was not reporting. And I just, within two, three weeks, had put up a website, wearewideawake.org, and finished up my first book, which was fiction, and then just started writing articles and just have not stopped. I think I'm up to my ninth book and write for USA's TheArabDailyNews.com. Senior non-Arab correspondent. So I think that's kind of my story. Tell us how you got interested in the uh, USS Liberty incident. Oh, yes, I'll tell you that is a real God thing. Johnson's role in all this. Yes, I'll tell you how I got involved with the Liberty was because I had been writing about and had video of interviews with uh, Mordecai Venunu, Israel's nuclear whistleblower, who people may not know, but in 1986, he was a mid-level technician in Israel's nuclear weapons facility at Dimona in the Negev. And he worked there for like nine years, and when he finally figures out, because it was a very compartmentalized job, but he was a good worker, worked the night shift, he got to work in all these different areas and realized, well, he's making weapons of mass destruction. And on his own, he smuggles in a camera and film, and he documents the pictures. And he, a few months later, finally quits, travels around Europe, ends up in Sydney, Australia. And at this point in his life, he had been, his family was Orthodox Jewish, and he at this time was an atheist. He converts to Christianity. He's baptized, and he shares his story about Israel's weapons of mass destruction, connects with Peter Hunam from the London Sunday Times. They publish his photo. Israel lures him to, from London to Rome. They kidnap him, drug him 18 years in prison, mostly in solitary confinement. They let him out in 2004 
but under severe restrictions. He's not supposed to talk to foreigners. Well, he didn't talk to anybody who talked to him. I'm one foreigner who put um, a video of him out there on the Internet and have been writing books about him and uh, his, you know, following his struggle because this is a story that American media won't touch with a 10-foot pole because we're talking about Israel's nuclear weapons. And I don't believe that there's anybody in our government who, um, who will talk about that honestly. So anyway, that's how I got involved to that point. And because of my involvement with the Nunu, I was invited to go to California and speak at a No More Wars for Israel conference. And I was warned before I got there that there would be anti-Semites, neo-Nazis. And I said, thank you for your concern, but I know Jesus would welcome the, the opportunity to talk to, you know, anti-Semites <laughs> and neo-Nazis. Jesus had his arms open for everybody. Well, by the time I got from Florida to California, the conference had been canceled because the hotel was getting calls that there were going to be anti-Semites and neo-Nazis and all this. Anyway, the conference ha- ends up happening like nine hours later in a church. I said my piece, and I got out of there. But the only other speaker that impacted me was a USS Liberty survivor. And when he told the story about what happened there, June 8, 1967, they're in international waters. Um, the Israeli planes flew over them that morning. They're waving, you know, from the ship because that's our allies, right? Nobody was worried. And then that afternoon, they are they're just you know, uh, torpedoes and, 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 and can bullets, all, I mean, just horrendous attack, because the USS Liberty at that time was America's premier spy ship, and it was navigating in international waters off the coast of Gaza, and on June 8, 1967, Israel had plans to go into the Golan Heights. Well, the USS Liberty was in the way, and they knew it was a surveillance ship because it had all these satellite dishes, and they, that was what they took out first, so there was no communication from the ship. And Israel did capture uh, the Golan Heights the very next day. That just delayed their plans for a day. And when this USS Liberty survivor of the Six-Day War said, it was God that kept the liberty afloat, it was every cell in my being just erupted like Eileen. This, this is like, listen to this, listen to this, listen to this man, and you're going to do more. I just knew it from that moment. I would listen to him, but I would do more than listen, and got to meet Doc Kiefer for a weekend. He was the only doctor aboard the ship, and maybe a half a dozen or more of the survivors I've had um, interviews with, and so far, everybody has affirmed that, yes, they do believe it was God that kept the liberty afloat. And I feel, I know from research that up until that time, that 1967 war, America's foreign policy in the Middle East was fairly well balanced. But that tipped it over totally uh, pro-Zionist Israel. That, that just totally tipped the tipped it with, you know, America has not been an honest broker for peace since then. It's, it just hasn't been. Israel's a nuclear power, and that we are, and that's what makes the connection there. So I am on the Liberty story uh, because this is a major cover-up of the government. 
My problem is not with Israel. Um, my problem is with my American government, who has covered this up and disrespected these guys, and it's over 50 years of post-traumatic stress it's because these, these guys have been told to shut up and just totally disrespected. Um, and there's not, so far, we have not been able to get any politician in power to, to address this, um, you know, honestly and openly and talk about this. So that's, that's kind of the mission, an impossible one. In your book, Eileen, you point out that President Johnson actually recalled U.S. military planes who were out to uh, intercede for the uh, USS yes. Liberty. Yes, yes. It was miraculous how they did get an SOS out. It was quite miraculous because all the communication things had been, you know, Israel just knocked them all out at the beginning of the attack. But one message did get out, and it got, by the time it got, got rerouted all different places, it was just miraculous how it ever got to where it needed to get. And then when the planes went to go and rescue them, Johnson was heard to say, I don't give a damn about a few sailors. You know, I will not embarrass an ally. But he said this before anybody even knew on the Liberty that it was Israel attacking them. They knew Israel was flying over them that morning, but during the attack, they didn't know who was attacking them. And the plan had been that America would think it was the Arabs attacking so that that would pull America into the war, you know, with Israel. Uh, but we, so Israel committed war crimes against us, and we just kind of let it, let it go. We looked the other way. Eileen, we discovered you. By reading a, a very interesting story you wrote in 207, how neo-Christian Zionists infiltrated the West Wing. This is before we'd even thought of using the word neo-Christian to describe Christian Zionism, which is basically a new form of Christianity that's been dreamed up in the last 100, 100 or so years. Yeah. And we found that you were right on target talking about this. And uh, I want to quote a couple of things that you've said in an article that you wrote called The Rise of Christian Zionism and Vice President Mike Pence. I don't think Mike Pence deserves much time tonight, but this article is excellent. In it, you said this, Christian Zionism is an extreme Christian movement which supports the claim of those who believe that the state of Israel should take control of all the land currently disputed between the Palestinians and the Israelis. And you went on to say, Christian Zionists view the creation and expansion of the modern state of Israel as the fulfillment of biblical prophecies toward the second coming of Christ. And further, the Christian Zionist program provides a worldview where the gospel is identified with the ideology of empire, mm. colonialism, and mm. militarism mm. in its extreme form it laces an emphasis on apocalyptic events leading to the end of history rather than living Christ's love and justice today. We, we find that to be very, very perceptive 
and uh, so well written. It's so it's 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 always amazing to find somebody who thinks well and writes well too, and you do both. Well, uh, that, that, that God gets all the credit because I'm not that smart. And, okay. and, and, and you said, you know, I coined that neo-Christian. I don't remember doing that. I just do have a recollection of why are we calling these neocons, why do we call them neocons? They're not conservatives. And I said, well, wait a minute. It's the same kind of thing. We've got all these Christians. They're not really Christians. And, and, but, you know, that came not from my brain. That just came from within. You know what I'm saying? I, I, I write things down more than anything. I, I, I give all the credit to God when I do it right, and when I mess it up, I know that was just me. Well, somebody wrote that very well, because we didn't think of it. Thank you. Well, here's <laughs> something else that somebody wrote very well. Not me, but it ties in, and this is uh, Rabbi Lerner. He is a, a Zionist. He's a, he's a Jewish man, but he also has a heart for the Palestinians. And he, I believe, is not the founder, at least the co-founder of Tikkun, which is T-I-K-K-U-N. And that's a Hebrew word for mend, repair, and transform the world. And so that's an organization he's founded. It's a magazine. And in their November, December 2007, again, a pivotal year, in their Tikkun magazine, the Tikkun organization had researched to discover there are three distinct elements energizing the Christian Zionists. One, a strong commitment to conservative and ultra-nationalist American politics, parentheses. So strong, this is Rabbi Lerner, I believe that if the U.S. were to decide to break with Israel, this part of the Christian Zionist leadership would go along with that and drop its defense of Israeli policies. Two, dispensationalist religious commitments that lead many of the Christian Zionists to yearn for a cataclysmic end of history, eschatological war in the Middle East that will precipitate the second coming of Jesus and the rapture in which all true Christians will go to heaven, and all Jews who have not yet converted to Christianity will burn in hell for eternity. And three, the last thing uh, that they found that is energizing the Christian Zionists is a widespread understanding among many Christians that atonement and repentance is needed for 1,700 years of murder, rape, and oppression of Jews that was frequently generated by the church, though, of course, the evangelicals do not recognize that church as their church, okay, the, the Catholic church. In this category are many Christian Zionists who genuinely feel terrible about what has happened to the Jews and genuinely want to help the Jewish people. Their philo-Semitism is real and sincere. So I think this is, this is the conundrum. You have very sincere Bible-believing Christians that just really don't understand really the religion and what Jesus was really about. And then you've got, again, this political ultra-nationalist politics that the Christians feel like they've got to vote for Republicans. I don't get where this comes from, but that's what we've got, this ideological divide here between where's Jesus in this? If we say we're Christians, we're supposed to be speaking out about nonviolence and no war and, you know, taking care of the poor. And, you know, Reverend Martin Luther King said, any nation that continually 
increases the defense budget while decreasing programs for the needy is a nation approaching spiritual death. And that was like in the 60s he said that, and I think we're kind of like gasping here. You know, more and more money for the Pentagon, and as you were saying about Saudi Arabia, now we're going to have this, uh, (laughs) you know, connection here with more weapons going to the most unstable um, part of the world, but this is what they kind of want, these Christian Zionists, to have this war that they think they're going to get raptured out of. But nobody's going anywhere in a nuclear war, because Jesus is the Prince of Peace, and I know I'm not, you know, you may say I'm a heretic here, but I believe the second coming comes from within us, within our opening our hearts to Jesus and, and allowing God to transform us, heart and mind, that we do see Jesus, we do see God in everyone, in every situation, in every creature, and all through nature. And, you know, that was like the way it was before Constantine established uh, Christianity as the state religion. In the first three decades after Jesus walked the earth, Every single Christian understood, you do not serve in the army. Don't, nope, none of them served in the army. But when Constantine, very savvy, wanted to unite his empire, the Roman Empire, he decided, instead of all these pagan gods, let's get one god, and we can you know, unite the people around one god, one empire. And that's when he had the church fathers to decide on the Bible, what books are going to be in, what books are going to be out. And there was a lot of debate, a lot of favorite books were thrown in the the trash heap because it didn't fit into the evolving doctrine and dogma. And then 50 gold copies were printed up of the Bible, and that was the canon. That was the sealed canon at that time. And then there was, of course, all these different things that happened to it, bringing us up to the Schofield Bible. But it all began with that one back there when Constantine, a political move, um, you know, paid to have the Bible canonized, that this is what the faith was supposed to be about. I mean, all of this, of course, is pointing toward more violence and more war. Uh, and we sadly have to say that Christian Zionism, by whatever term we want to use to call it, dispensationalism, whatever, neo-Christianity, as you called it, they're being deceived into supporting uh, warring factions and warring actions in front of our very eyes. And one of the examples of that was the election of Donald Trump. Mm-hmm. He got four-fifths of all the Christian mm-hmm. Zionist vote, which runs up around 20 million voters. Uh, yeah came from this camp. The bottom line question is, how do we go about talking to our friends who are caught up in this Christian Zionist movement? Because some of the people you're talking to tonight have been in it, including me, Mm -hmm. uh, and have have raised our families in this and have put it behind us. And we need to figure out how to convince other people that they need to go back to the basics. And those basics will lead them to Jesus and to peace. Well, one thing before we go there, one thing, Eileen, I wanted to ask you. You mentioned uh, earlier that way uh, back when the U.S. was considered an uh, honest broker in the, in the peace process. But uh, when Donald Trump suggested and is planning to move the, the uh, embassy into Jerusalem, all veil of being an honest broker has been lifted. Right, uh, exactly. Re- yes. Realize that the U.S. has been driven by APAC 
and the ADL for, for a lot longer than we'd like to admit. I just wonder if you have any comments on the, the move of the embassy to Jerusalem, what you might think of that. Yeah, I agree with you. He, he did end the charade of that, but when Israel was founded, going back to 1948, Jerusalem was supposed to have been like an international, like the Vatican, an international capital. It was never in, in Israel's declaration of establishment. So when President Truman was cabled the uh, Israel's declaration of establishment, he crossed out the words Jewish state and inserted state of Israel, and he signed on to the state of Israel. He, America did not sign on to a Jewish state. Ever since uh, its origin, of course, the state of Israel has been a center of conflict, and whatever it was called, it's remained a center of conflict. And now we have almost complete destruction of the entire Middle East, except for Saudi Arabia, yeah. uh, Syria, what's left of Syria, mm. and Iran. And uh, we now have this nuclear armament buildup going on in Israel that's been there and is supported primarily by the U.S. taxpayers. Mm-hmm. And uh, now we have a mighty buildup going on of the militarism in Saudi Arabia. Mm-hmm. And, of course, the Saudis are perhaps the most ruthless and brutal of all the tribes in the Middle East, with the exception of Israel, mm-hmm. practicing this religion they call Wahhabism, which is, uh, I call it, the Zionism of Islam. I liked what you said about how do you talk to these Christian Zionists, and I want you to tell me how you talk to them, because I've lucked out. I've not gotten um, anywhere in my... In my family, I have tried, in fact, my book, Keep Hope Alive, my first book, which is my response to the uh, Left Behind series of uh, fiction. It was my, my response. And I gave my book to these family members, and I told them, I said, you know, my writing is my prayer life. I'm, I'm pouring out my heart here. I'd really like, you know, to your feedback. Well, you know, I mean, if you don't like it, just, just some feedback. Nobody has ever given me any feedback. They just don't want to go there. So I'm, I don't have an answer how to reach them. Uh, all I know is I, I can write. And if people are open to read it, I think they, you know, then, then, then God can work. But if you've well, got God something... God does work, and that's how we've all learned what we have. And I think we just need to understand that that Christian Zionism is a supreme brainwashing. Yes. It's pounded in week after week, Sunday after Sunday, day after day in those churches, and it ignores these things that we talk about. It will, if it can, ignore the question of Saudi Arabia, what Saudi Arabia is doing, it will ignore the, the, the next war that's coming up. It will uh, ignore the USS Liberty mm-hmm. if it perceives that the state of Israel would want it to do that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, the followers of it base everything on, is it acceptable to the present day people who call themselves Israel? And they imagine and dream that they are exactly the same as the ancient Davids and Isaiahs mm-hmm. and Abrahams of the old book that they carry with them that's in the back of the Scofield Reference Bible. Right, and that to me, what you did in your video there, your documentary, was so eye-opening because I was aware of the Scofield, but when 
you did the visuals about showing how the text keeps disappearing because it's all footnotes, it's all this convoluted um, nonsense. And these people who studied their Bibles using a Scorpio Bible, and what are they really studying? They're studying this nonsense. And I know somewhere in that Bible, in the New Testament, somewhere in there, it's that even the elect can be deceived. There's something uh, that, you know, even, you know, you Christians can be deceived. You false yeah. prophets, I mean, they're out there, and this, I think this is what the Schofield Bible basically is. It's a false prophet. Eileen, we hope that you'll join us again because sure, you have so much to say. We want to get more of it on the record. Thank you so much, and, and God bless you what you're doing. Thank you. Thank you again, Eileen. And the video, ladies and gentlemen, that Eileen was referring to is our video, Christian Zionism, the Tragedy and Turning. And we'll have a link there. You can watch it on our website for free. It's 28 minutes. It's an award-winning film. We won an award at the Amar Popular Film Festival in Tehran, Iran. And they understand the dangers of war, particularly Mm. being the recipients of bombs from the United States. Ladies and gentlemen, be sure to check out Eileen's website. It's Eileen Fleming. That's E-I-L-E-E-N-F-L-E-M-I-N-G dot O-R-G. And once again, thank you, Eileen. Thank you. Thanks for listening. If you like this program, please let your friends know about it and our other thought-provoking podcast. And be sure to visit our website, whtt.org, for a wealth of information on Christian Zionism and other critical issues that we face. Also, at whtt.org, you can watch for free our award-winning documentary film, Christian Zionism, The Tragedy and the Turning, Part 1. Join us in our efforts to wake the town and tell the people. Start small, think big, and press on towards the straight gate.